evil aliens start to invade and observe Earth to set about their terrible plan. A plan which seems to resurrect the dead to attack the living. Hello everyone, I'm Caleb Boucher. I'm Connor Izagari. Welcome to a new episode of Beyond the Bad. Today, I, I, Tarn, stop it. You're going to make me laugh. I just think this it, is it, so it, stupid. It took me a long time to come up with that, uh, that title. Oh, that, that, you know, bio line. Uh, so today, in case you're wondering, uh, we're talking about one of the most, most famously infamous, so bad, it's good films. Plan 9 from Outer Space. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The film everyone thinks of when talking about writer-director Ed Wood and one which has gone to get an insanely huge cult following. Most importantly, it's the perfect film to celebrate our one-year anniversary of the show. Yay! One-year anniversary. We thought, hey, on these anniversary ones, go big or go home. We have, luckily, a plethora of like go big or go home films to save for these episodes i saw i want to start with the granddaddy of them all plan nine from outer space so connor if you're going over to you for the scores which we now have to justify because thanks ron tomatoes first off i never thought i'd be celebrating a year's worth of shitty films but way to go <laughs> so our usual justification for the films that end up on this show are you know if They've got a negative score on Rotten Tomatoes. It's valid. It counts. And from there, we kind of just, you know, figure out why. When we scheduled Plan 9 from Outer Space, this was a negatively reviewed film. At some point between then and now, a bunch of people watched it. I guess they liked it because now Plan 9 from Outer Space is rocking a 66% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is not rotten, nor is it certified fresh. It's in that weird limbo. So, sorry, (laughs) but... We broke the rule. Don't expect it to happen anytime soon. For good cause. Like, I'll, I'll, for me, this is a film that belongs on the show. And look, I'm going to say right now, actually, for its quirks are, I had a lot of fun with this movie personally. I'm definitely in that, like, I get why it's developed its following because there's a weird, like, God, this is bad, but I can't stop watching. Um, we were more as to talk about the film, though. Um, so for me, it was only right to put this here and not in a film. Guys, not just because the reputation this film was carried for like so, so, so long. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That even with that, it just feels right to put it here. True. And don't you know? Don't let it be. Don't let it fool you. Like this does not make this a masterpiece. It's still rocking a forty-five percent audience score. Uh, critics consensus reads: the epitome of so bad it's good cinema. Plan 9 from Outer Space is an unintentionally hilarious sci-fi, quote-unquote, thriller from anti-genius Ed Wood that is justly celebrated for its staggering ineptitude. I fucking love the term anti-genius. That's so insulting, but if you're if you're an idiot, you, you, you wouldn't be able to tell. <laughs> yeah, it's the biggest, like, that's like, the people who use those insults also sniff their own assholes, but, oh, you know. Sure. But I'm surprised that, you know, that's pretty, 
positive for Plan 9 from Outer Space, which I'm just going to say top of the show here, I fucking hated. You just can't have fun, can you? I am very glad we decided to name the award after Ed Wood, because he is indeed a hack, and he can't make a film. So, yeah, good pick. Wow. You just can't have fun in a movie, can you? How is this bad? Not when you got lines like murdered and somebody's responsible. Yeah, that made me laugh. It was great. It's The thing is, like, he didn't make this to try to make you laugh. He thought he was making a sci-fi horror masterpiece. Everyone else was just and like, this is stupid. Let's, let's make fun of it at parties. And it turned into a thing. Yeah. That's what makes it so great. <laughs> God, you just didn't get it. It's fine. Uh, you really want to try to to use that on Plan 9 from Outer Space? That's on you. Yes, yes I do. <laughs> It's fine. You don't always get it. It's, it's okay. But you know what? Before we dwell into Plan 9 for our space, to also go with something I, lo- I want to make an annual tradition here on uh, Beyond the Bad, not because this is the one year anniversary, because this is the first show of our new year, 2023. Um, You know, I want to talk about the bottom, uh, a little thing that I'm going to call a bottom five countdown 2022. Films that didn't work for us. Now, before we get into this, the reason I caught Bomb Five is because for those who have a Twitter, I get online, have probably seen that there was a hell of a discourse in December about worst of lists and how we shouldn't be tracking, you know, being artist brother down. You know, it's art, blah, 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 blah. Look, I'm in the camp that if you can talk about the films that worked for you the most in a year, you can talk about the ones that didn't. If you want to call it the best and the worst, who gives a shit? At the end of the day, it's art. It's subjective. Just because you may not like it doesn't mean someone else likes it. Sometimes if you have your top five, someone may not agree with it, right? There's a lot of, there's a lot of divisive films, <laughs> at least throughout the year, that are in some people's top five and another person's bottom five. So for me, that's just where I'm at. Like, look, it it's 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 art, right? It's subjective. It's just my personal opinion of what didn't work with that. Am I going to go out of my way to insult these people? No. As angry as the film as I might be, I will do my best to not insult the people in the process. They worked to try to make a film they thought would work. It didn't for me. Um, so just to get that out of the air now, because there's been the whole of discourse with this whole work stuff list stuff. I make no such promise. I Depends on the person. If they're worth attacking and destroying their credibility... I will do what I can. Dear God, man. Certain people, yeah. Like, I do that on this show. I've gone after Tom Green. I've gone after Fred Durst. I've gone after Michael Bay a lot. We've gone after Zack Snyder pretty much every time. If you suck, I'm going to tell you. Jesus. Well, okay. Minus Connor, point me an asshole. Well, let me just say, of my five here, there's nobody who I think I'm going to go after. Yeah, I just wanted to put out the worst thing because I was just a like I was seeing that all over my fucking Twitter yeah. feed, and apparently like people were being like, "Are you trying to do it?" You know, it kicks them all there down. It's just promoting negativity. I'm like, I don't care. Like, if anything, you're giving more more attention to it when you keep bringing like the whole variety thing. The variety articles that kind of kicked it off. Um, I'm like, you're giving more attention to it by constantly retweeting it and constantly talking about it, and then just posting it and then moving on to the next article. I'm of the mindset that they should have tried harder. 
You know, these this shit's expensive to see. If I'm gonna pay top dollar, I want something good. So if you fuck that up, frankly, you know what? That was that wasn't very artistic of you. Yeah, and like and like I said, at the end of the day, if this ruffles your feathers, I kind of really don't care because it's art. It's subjective. Just because it didn't work for me, I'm not saying it won't work for you. This That's is the like 53rd the key- movie we've gone after and trashed. So if you can't get with that at this point, like we got other shit to, to listen to. <laughs> yeah. So on that note, again, before we get into plan nine, bottom five countdown, the films that did not work for us, starting with your number five, what'd you put? Uh, my number five is uh, universally recognized as the worst superhero film of the year, Morbius. I'll let you talk because I have that on mine, but higher. (laughs) (laughs) I think that from the get go, we all knew this was going to suck. There was just, you know, we don't Jared Leto seems to be box office poison when it comes to superhero movies. Uh, Sony wanted to just, you know, this is another bit of their non Spider-Man franchise that they've been trying to do with Venom and Morbius and later Craven, if that movie ever actually happens. And and Madame Webb. Yeah, and Madame Webb. And uh, a PG-13 rating on a dark vampire movie already. Big red flag. Then it got delayed forever. Then it got reshot. Then it got delayed again. And then we got what turned out to be exactly what we expected. And then, in a hilarious turn of events, Sony mistook endless memes of this being terrible as fan outcry for more Morbius... So they re-released it, making this the only film of the year to bomb twice. <laughs> Which is kind of awesome. Uh, Good old Sony. Yeah, leave it to Sony to fuck up that bad. So I just, I thought this was, you know, weak, boring, uh, forgettable, and just, you know, a waste of money. So, Morbius. Oh yeah. All right. I, I I have stuff to say, but again, I it's higher up on my list, so I'm gonna leave it. But I'm pretty much with you on a lot of those points and then and then some. Um my number five. I kinda I mentioned it I mentioned it's much better counterpart and um on um Oscar Sunday when we did our top five. Bottom five is one early, early in the year that I didn't want to watch, but we had sneak preview and I had to watch it because <laughs> no one else wanted to. That's fucking death on the Nile. Ah, damn. Look, if you guys don't remember, Agatha Christie is not for me. <laughs> My mom used to watch the, the show on P, I think on PBS that ran for like years um, with her character. Um, and it fucking bored me to tears when she would watch it. I hated it. I did not like the recent murder on the Orient Express. I thought, I mean, it was okay. I didn't completely hate it. It was a little bit more entertaining. But I still wasn't that into it. And this one, I just I wanted to like damn near gouge my eyes out. Um, like an hour into the movie, when there was no murder happening in my murder mystery, but unlike Glass Onion, which pays that off, this film finally does a murder, and it does the worst job of trying to tell you who you think it's going to be. When I'm like, no, it's the fucking bitch that showed up on the goddamn ship. Who else would it be? Movie. <laughs> and sure enough, it was her. <laughs> and the man who eats people in real life <laughs> that now does timeshares. <laughs> like, God damn it. Oh. And 
and then I get a backstory on his fucking mustache. I don't care. I don't care about your facial hair one bit. Wow, you got face. You had a mustache. Oh my god. <laughs> god, I did not like this movie one bit. I was very happy for it. In I'm at the point where like I know they just announced this third one that's supposed to be a haunting in Venice. I think it's the title. It's supposed to be a horror one. I'm like, no, fuck you. Just give me like a horror fucking knives out one. How's that sound? Because I'll get rewarded on that. <laughs> well, I, I I saw this coming. I knew this was coming. Um, it's my number four. <laughs> Death on the Nile. I wanted to see. I want. I I thought the trailer was intriguing. I liked what they did. The Peshmod's policy of truth. And then the movie got delayed first because of COVID and second because uh, Army Hammer has a hobby he he unfortunately shared with everybody else and we said no. Uh, and yeah, his movie is ridiculously predictable. You know who did it from the get-go. It's not even a surprise. And again, yeah, you're right about the mustache backstory. That was a weird decision. It's like, why does Poirot have this ridiculous mustache? Because the war. Because he sacrificed the woman he loved for a glorious mustache, basically. Yeah. He wanted to hide that scar. Okay. I don't care. This movie was boring, and it led to the worst episode of any show I've ever done, because we fucking had to do it, and we both had nothing to say. Yeah, and I was fighting sleep because I was so tired. That This movie is instrumental in my eventual decision to cancel the sneak preview, because I realized... It's not always going to be a Batman. Sometimes we're going to get horse shit that we can't talk about because we've got nothing in the tank. So we we shelved it. So thank you, Death in the Nile, for freeing me from a lot more horse shit, but you cost me like 20 bucks. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, God. Yeah, I, I was really hoping like we weren't going to get a third one. Then they announced it. And like you know, all the horror sites are picking it up. So like, oh, Hercule Poirot doing a horror one, and I'm like, I don't care. I do I not. Right. Care. I, I, I'm gonna bet right now it's not a real ghost. It's not a real ghost. And again, I stand by it. When Knives Out inevitably does that because Ryan Johnson has made it known he wants to be do Agatha Christie, explore different genres. I guarantee you, if they ever would do horror, it's gonna be so much fucking better because Knives Out are better movies. You know, considering Glass Onion had a lot of elements of Death on the Nile, I would not be surprised if, like, Ryan Johnson is, like, standing behind Kenneth Branagh whenever he's, like, pitching a new Poirot, and he's, like, taking notes, and he's like, all right, so, Nile Cruise, but better. Haunting, but better. <laughs> Just writing that after every little thing, and eventually Branagh's gonna snap. Oh, yeah, and then right below it, Noah Segan cameo. Yeah, he's like, Branagh turns around, do you have to be here? He, he's like... Like what? Like tell me I can't show me a sign where it says I can't. Like <laughs> just I would love that. But yeah. Um also if you ever feel like you were robbed of your money by Death on the Nile, uh good news. Just go to the Cayman Islands, ask for army, and demand twenty bucks. What's he gonna do? Um just try to sell you some time, sure. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah, so Death and I, it was one I was hundred percent gunning for it. As soon as I thought this, I was like, Yep, Death and I, fuck this movie. Um my next one were shocking maybe in the placement, but when I was coming with this list, I'm like, Oh, it's making my five. 
but not the number one spot. My number four is a piece of shit ending to a trilogy that came out this past October, and that is Halloween Ends. Yeah. You, okay. you can defend this goddamn thing as much as you want and live on that camp that is attacking each other currently online. Um, I think to this very day. I don't think the wars ended online. Um, I'm more like the guy who like throws a rock and then when it hits somebody, I point at somebody else and I just watch shit unfold. I don't get involved. <laughs> it, it's fine seeing both sides, but that's a different thing. So Halloween ends like I won't deny it's a well-made film. Like David Gore Green, like the technical aspects of the film are solid to pretty much cross his whole trilogy. Um, but for me, like going into this, and I was someone that like I know a lot of people fucking hated Halloween Kills. I didn't mind it. I do think that like you know I watched it a second time recently before Ends came out, and like yeah, the mob thing. It, on a second watch, I'm like yeah, it doesn't really fit all that well into it. Like it's not a bad. I, it's not bad, but it doesn't fit fully well. Um, but at the same time, like I'm just a sucker for seeing Michael just like fuck people up in the town. Um, this one though makes some of the most baffling decisions to end your trilogy on. <laughs> like, okay, why? I, well, I know why they marketed it the way they did because they knew no one would fucking watch it if they didn't. So, but the way it was marketed, it's not the movie we got. No, instead we got the Corey Cunningham story. A character that's randomly introduced in this film and then playing, you know, essentially going to be the new Michael Myers. And you see him like beat up Michael Myers. He like takes his fucking power, which apparently the novel, for those who are like, well, we don't know that the novelization that was written, that the author works with David Gordon Green on that those novels for this recent trilogy and uses elements of the script that don't get put into the movie. It was supernatural, folks. Michael transferred his power and then he took his power back at the end. So yeah, this, this just the man bullshit they started in 2018. When where the fuck that went David Gordon green. Cause you clearly went back on it two movies later. Um, but it, it, it borrows elements from like all the sequels that like apparently don't exist. Cause they were going green made that clear. Like, Oh, the sequels are shit. We're not going to use them. Yeah, you are. You're putting them as plot elements. Like, I'm seeing Halloween 5 right there. Curse right there. Cool. Okay, here's some Halloween 4 I see. Like, you're you're using the sequels you're calling shit as plot points in your fucking new... Especially in your last one, more than anything. Um, but yeah, it, it does that. It focuses on the story I don't give a shit about because I want to see what was being touted as the final confrontation between these two, you know, Laurie Strode and Michael Myers because... Yes, well, you know, Halloween ends. It's not going to be the last one. We're going to get a new one. But obviously, Jamie Lee Curtis is done. Like, she's not coming back after this. Um, so this is, like, end of that storyline before we get whatever the hell they think of later. Um, but we that is literally, like, a five-minute storyline with the most disappointing, short, terrible fucking fight I watched between those two. I was not excited when they started fighting. I hated it. It was anticlimactic. It it was I did not like it. Um I just this was absolutely a massive just felt like a slap in the face. I've not gone on Twitter to fucking be stupid like the rest of the online board has been, but I do not like this installment one bit. 
Hmm. At the beginning of this film, I get to see a snot-nosed little shit kid get smacked with a door and fly over a banister and fall to his death. That kept the movie at a steady seven the whole time. I thought that was hilarious. And yeah, I get it. People, this was a terrible idea. And I can't believe this didn't make it past the like the planning stages because somebody should have told David Gordon Green. Um, turns out the Halloween fans really like Michael Myers, and they would like as much of him as possible. Uh, but for what we got, I didn't think it was terrible. I liked the fin- I liked the finality of it. I thought Carpenter's music was incredible. This was maybe my favorite score of the entire franchise. Um. And like, so the technical stuff is fine. Yeah. And we get to, you know, it's, he does, he does die. Like Michael gets, you know, he bleeds out and he gets grinded into a fine paste by the whole town. I thought it was cathartic. And I was like, nice. And then we get, don't fear the Reaper as an outro. I was, you know, it's not the Halloween movie I wanted, but you know, I got it and I made the most of it. And I thought I would, I, I can live with this. Outside of those elements, though, what did you actually like about it? I'm not hearing much likes outside of those elements. <laughs> that's that's what kills me. You're like, I like these like three things. I like I liked what I liked. That's why it's not an eight. Uh, the music was great. Michael, the moments we had with Michael were great. The there, kills were great. There were small things I liked here and there. It was just like a lot of. Like I said, like the storyline, like why do I didn't care about this? Like essentially what was like a trauma for like almost an hour of the film of like their relationship, Corey's and um Allison's relationship. And like I said, I think honestly, and someone mentioned it, I agree with it. Had they just maybe had Corey be a character in like the first one, 2018 and built this up to go with the storyline, I probably would have been more down for what they were doing. Yeah. But after a trilogy at your trilogy where you're promising this is the final confrontation, which keep in mind, they kind of promised that with us in 2018. Um, but you're saying this is it. Like they get the final confrontation. Someone's dying. It's it. We all know it's probably going to be Michael. And so again, they find a way to reboot this. Um, but then we do this weird diversion. It's like, what the hell is I, this? This I, <laughs> I like Mike. That's all I'll say. I, <laughs> I got I I just don't I I didn't think it was great I just didn't think it was dog shit either I'm I'm kind of middle of the road here it's pretty close to dog shit for me um I think a lot of it too again has to do with David Gordon Green again going on interviews being like yeah we're ignoring the sequels you know way back when 2018 was coming out um we're ignoring the sequels because they're shit well you know fuck you because I actually like some of the sequels and not all shit just because you think they are. It's like, I was like, Halloween 2 is a good movie. Halloween 2, 3, 4, and like H2O are all good movies. Um, now, 5, 6, and Resurrection for me, it's debatable, but um, most of that franchise is good. They're not shit. Um, nothing's ever... Stop making that face, you whore. Um, nothing's ever going to beat the original, obviously, but like, to just say like they all suck, but yours are just as good as the original. Go fuck yourself. Um... Well, he's got to he's got to sell it. He can't be like, yeah, it's pretty good. He's got to sell it by saying this is the greatest movie ever. That's how that's what they got to do. Yeah, but to to put down all these sequels that you're then trying to use as plot points in your in your sequels, 
Like, no, then you need to stop shitting on the sequels that you're clearly using as plot points for your movie. Especially when you're sitting there saying you want to go back to the root of Michael just being a man and being per evil and stuff like that. But then you turn around and introduce supernatural elements in your third one, which again, the series already did before you ever touched it, David Corn Green. I'm sensing a lot of personal hostility here. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, look, don't don't sit there and say shit that you're going to turn around and do. Fair enough. Like I said, I get why people are going to like they despise this. I understand. I'm just not one of them. I, I need you to just hate it with all of it. I can't and I won't. Sorry. Well, then you don't you dare be saying they're saying the sequels are shit then. When I, I didn't say it. I didn't say that. I saw your face. Do I agree with David Gordon Green? Kind of. Well, that's because you suck now. <laughs> I like Halloween too, and I like like H2O. The rest of them I can kind of take or leave. And H2O, honestly, like I don't like it that much. H2O is great. It's a much honestly, it's a way better fight between Lori and Michael than we got in Halloween ends. Way better fight. Um yeah, so number four, Halloween ends. What what what's your number three? My number three is going to be divisive because this was critically acclaimed and a lot of people said this was brilliant. And I say you're full of shit. Crimes of the future. Oh yeah. I, I thought this was okay. Yeah. I went and saw this with Colton and we both walked away unsure of what to say, but we both felt like we'd wasted quite a lot of money. I'm a Cronenberg fan. I know it doesn't, I know it doesn't sound like that whenever I talk about the guy, but I am a fan. Never does. You're always like, "Ah, I don't like this one that much, (laughs) but this was just, this was boring as fuck. This was his return to body horror. And I was, I had expectations. I didn't know what the hell was going on the whole time. The characters are so weird and hard to like. I don't really like, it's like a black market organ, like growing different organs for like pleasure or something. And there's a cop involved. I don't know. Honestly, I I tuned out. I was so confused that I just lost interest. Yeah. Me and Josh watched this and that week I was seeing some last, like last bit of 2022 films I wanted to watch because it's on Hulu and I was like oh I was like it's on Hulu you want to check it out and he's like yeah of course since Cronenberg and I I don't know how he felt but I remember kind of as it went on I was like first I was like ah this isn't this is interesting I kind of like what he's doing here a ward where we don't feel pain and like surgery is a new sex and like okay classic Cronenberg but then as it kept going I was like what is going on in this movie I was like I'm just not connecting to it and then when it ended I was just like wait that that's what we're ending on and I had to like, I had a Wikipedia. I was like, okay, look, what the fuck? And I Wikipedia the plot. So I'm like, what the fuck did just went on? And like, look, I'm, I'm, I don't mind like a dense film that makes you kind of like have to rewatch and like talk about with friends about what, um, what was going on in it. But like with, with this one, I just didn't have that interest because I wasn't that engaged to even want to have that conversation. Yeah, neither was I. And I, I just, I question people who watch this once and are like, oh, that's brilliant. Cronenberg's a genius. Do you see what he was doing here? Because I see what he was doing here. Like, no, you don't. Shut the fuck up. Watch it like three times and then get back to me. Um, I might believe you, but after one viewing, I can't imagine anybody being like, oh, this makes perfect sense to me. It's, no, I mean, it's, no. it's insane. And 
yeah, it does just end abruptly. And I, I was bummed. I was like, it's Cronenberg. Like, stop burning me. Like, let me, let me have one. Like, I like the fly. I like the brood. Can I have another one? <laughs> There's plenty. He just keep turning them down. I didn't busy. like, I didn't like scanners. I didn't like Videodrome. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to check out Shivers eventually. I hope I like that one. God, you're so hard to please. Apparently Halloween ends you like, but then like Cronenberg classics, you're like, nope, not for me. I didn't say I liked Halloween ends. I said I didn't hate it. There's a difference. Fucking David Gordon Green simp. (laughs) Fuck you. Uh, So I just, yeah, I, I, I felt... I hate when I spend money on, you know, a theater ticket that ends up being a waste of money because it's a shit movie. And that happened a lot this year. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I didn't see this one in theaters. Uh, like I said, I saw it on Hulu, but that was because one, it wasn't playing near me. And I didn't like have Josh to be like, we have to go see it. It's Cronenberg. So I was like, kind of saw what people saying, I was like, mm, do I want to see that? I really want to like attempt because some of these films I had watched, like I had to fucking go on my way. To really look at like Showtime, so like Terrifier 2, I got lucky. It was playing, you know, a second. Uh, that was when they got, you know, when it kept getting more weekends. You know, I got lucky and a weekend opened up for me, but I had to go to a, the one theater showing near me at the one fucking showing, which was at like nine goddamn 40 at night, um, for two and a half hours. But that didn't bother me because I ended up being a great film and I was hearing great things about it. But this one, I was like, um, I might just wait till it streams. And I'm glad I did because when I watched on Hulu, and it's only because I got like the sh- fucking Showtime expansion, so that's how it was even on there. Um, yeah, the whole time I was just like, "This is." I'm not gonna go back to this. Cron-. Even I was like, "This is weird, even for Cronenberg." Yeah. So, I don't like when I start nodding off during a like at the movies. That was happening here. It happened big time on my number two pick, which we'll talk about in a little bit here, but. Yeah, to me, it's like if I'm gonna spend, if I'm gonna spend that kind of money, I want an experience that's gonna be memorable. I want it to be justified, and when I get these duds, it just sours the entire movie for me. Yeah, yeah, no, that's when I'm glad I I waited. Still didn't like it, but glad I waited. A movie I didn't wait for though, my number three. I was very excited, probably more so than Halloween Ends, to see because what it was promising me during the summer. Um, of giving me the legacy characters mixed with the new characters of this new trilogy to this long-running franchise is the number, my all-time favorite film of all time. It's all-time favorite. Um, the conclusion, air quotes, once again, um, to this series, my number three, Trask or Dominion, go fuck yourself hard in Halloween ends. How does that sound? What is with you franchises and saying, hey, third installment, that stuff we promised you, we're not doing that. Why? Why would you promise something and be a and be a cock tease, for lack of a better word, and then just not give it? Like what the hell? Like we are promised dinosaurs in modern day in the city, basically, at the end of Fallen Kingdom, which I will go to bat for more than most people will, because I know a lot of people really don't like Fallen Kingdom. I enjoy it. Um but I was like, oh, hell yeah, bring it on. Like I said, I've been enjoying this, this you know, this Jurassic World series for the most part. I excitedly went to Manion, even though I was kind of seeing what people were saying. I was like, oh, it can't be that bad. Yeah, they're wrong. There's no way. I went and I was like, all right, here you go. 
Crashboard. I was so excited. I played for like the uh that big ass fucking screen at my at the Sunmark Neros XD screen. So I'm like, oh, I gotta see on the, I gotta see on the big screen with the good sounds. Jurassic World dinosaurs. And boy, did I sit there for two and a half hours hating every fucking second of my life that I was sitting there. The moment they started doing the newsreel of like dinosaurs, this is what's going on. I was like, don't no, 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 don't, don't you do it, movie? Don't you do a quick news recap? And then move, and I was like, "Fuck, you're doing! Oh, fuck, you're doing it! You're, you're just going to do a quick news cap, and I'm not going to get what I want, am I?" And I didn't. Instead, I got fucking locusts. Fucking locusts. They were big. Shut up. <laughs> fuck you. You sound like Colin Trevor. That was his response, probably. Hey, what about the locusts? They were big, weren't they? Made it alive. Come on. What more do you want? <laughs> uh, yeah. No, this phone goes as fucking locust. I don't care about because, like, God bless. Because, and I kid you not, this is a film series that I've suspended my disbelief already and that we can bring dinosaurs back to life um, and that they would thrive in a fucking amusement park. But the reason he didn't do the dinosaurs in the city, not because, like, oh, he could have easily been like, well, you know, Lost Ward, you had it in San Diego. We didn't want to just repeat that. Bullshit, but I'll take it, right? No, his response was, I wanted to be, I wanted to be realistic. Like, it's not realistic dinosaurs. I'm like, your prior film had cloning set up as a plot line, and you're worried about realism in a fucking Jurassic Ward movie? You've cloned dinosaurs. Stop pulling the realism card. In your high concept movie, you motherfuckers. <laughs> ah. Okay. But as for the movie itself, besides just that bullshit, then you have obviously the much talked about point. We have the legacy cast members with the new cast members. This film does not integrate them well, like at all. Like the 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 new cast members look like they don't want to be there. Like they're like it's the most unspirited performance I've watched. The legacy cast members look like they're having to force their way through the lines. Like nothing sounds natural. No one sounds like they want to be like they're happy to even be there. At least when I was watching, I was like, no one sounds like they're just like, hey, yeah, we're fucking doing this. We're concluding it. We're back. You know what I mean? Like everyone just was like, it seemed like they were going through the emotions with their characters, which should not. I should not be feeling that in like a film with this. You know after these past few films. And then you do something like, like I said, you introduce a cloning of a human being in the last film. This film walks that shit back so hard <laughs> and goes, wait, wait, no, no, no. She wasn't actually a clone guys. We did this. I'm like, why said it? And then like the bat, uh, BD Wong, who's, you know, supposed to be like, he was set up as the, the villain, the human villain, according to the first film has the weirdest character arc. At this point, I don't know what the fuck's going on with him anymore. And then we go back to the guy who got the damn can the first film as the villain, but he's a weak ass villain. I did not. He was not threatening. I didn't even care. I'm like, I don't care that you got the guy. He got fucking Dodson. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Just like in that scene when he was like, yeah, see, no one cares. Yeah, no one cares. <laughs> no one. All I wanted movie was dinosaur action and you didn't give me any half the dinosaurs this film had almost not one memorable dinosaur segment at all to me 
Well, damn. <laughs> Tell me what you really think. Uh, I was pent up. I can tell because we didn't have sneak preview at that point to vent that one. So you've just been holding on to that since July. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is one that I initially liked. And the more I've thought about it, the less I've liked, the more I've thought, I think I, I misread that one. And uh, at this point, I pretty much have to redo my review because I don't agree with it anymore. Uh so I was excited about Dodson because I just I don't I liked I he, he's like the only person in this franchise who didn't get theirs. And now he's back and I'm like, okay, finally. So clearly the frilly dinosaur thing is gonna eat this guy. <laughs> like we kind of saw that coming. Yeah. Big bugs, weird choice, Colin. Don't know why you did that. Uh Henry Wu does not get a free pass. For all the horrific shit he did between it's park so, and world. Just a weird arc. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I didn't need to hear about how Goldblum slid into Laura Dern's DMs, as she said in the movie. I don't know why they had said that. <laughs> so I got to see this for free because uh, I got invited with my uh, uncle's girlfriend's church group. And I took it up. I took him up on the offer because it was a free movie, and I thought it was kind of funny that church group was going to go see a movie about dinosaurs. Well, man, literally plays God. That would wouldn't that be against a church group? But I was expecting. I was expecting like, and now are we burning the theater down? But that never happened. Uh so free movie. So I was already like, I'm in a good mood, and I just kind of maintained that throughout the movie. And but like I said, the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, wait a minute, this movie tricked me. <laughs> I like how you were able to maintain throughout the movie. In the moment, like we, get, like I said, we got past when I realized we're not getting what was promised. Immediately, my mood just soured, and I was just sitting there going, "Oh, this fucking movie." I did think it was weird that they totally abandoned the human cloning thing by saying, "Actually, get this: your mom gave birth to you." What? <laughs> it was such an aggressive rock back. Like, well, actually, hold on. I was like, "What the hell?" Yeah, basically, like, your mom used her DNA as, like, to inject in her womb, so basically she gave birth to herself. Like, maybe just stick with the cloning, because this makes less sense. Yeah, it this, now this is just convoluted in the fucking Jurassic Ward movie, for Christ's sakes. Yeah, and also, I know this is terrible, because, you know, some dinosaurs are cute, but why aren't we just, like, gassing these things? Just, you know, crop dust these fuckers with cyanide and we don't have to worry about dinosaurs anymore. Yeah, I would I would like to think six movies in like bringing dinosaurs back has is clearly a bad idea. Yeah, it has not worked out every time. A lot of people have died. Maybe we stop doing this. <laughs> Just, you know, devil's advocate over here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not a great ending. Still billion dollar grocer. Big success. Yeah, I, and like I said, we're definitely going to get known. Anyone, it's like Halloween, right? Or any franchise. If you think this is it, like, okay. You you, you need a little more about movies, my friend. We will get another one at some point. They even have already talked about what they would, you know, they're toying with ideas and what to do next. So yeah. it's going to happen, but what a fucking, as far as like this era, the storyline that they were ending, what a fucking whimper for me the, to end on. The only franchise that has ever stayed pure is Back to the Future, and I'm eternally grateful for that. 
Yeah. I would argue Evil Dead has stayed pure in a way, but in the opposite way. Yes, it's kept going, but it hasn't had a bad installment yet. True, but Back to the Future ended like you know finitely and was like or was like you know this is it the conclusion the end and it has stuck with that since 1990 that's tough to do especially since everybody's been on zemeckis like give me part four we'll do part four come on i'll suck your dick we'll do part four part and, four and, remake has been yeah filled his way every time he's been like be gone satan and it has not happened thank god bob gale same way prop to the bobs but um i get why everyone kind of hated dominion it's it's a weird it was a weird choice on all fronts here. Yeah. So yeah. in their in their defense, after Jurassic Park, where do you fucking go? Like again, every movie has been worse than Jurassic Park. Again, though you had a really good setup. You promised something with Fallen Kingdom that I think everyone was pretty much, oh fuck yeah, let's go with that. And then you did the simple thing right off the bat to piss everyone off by saying nope <laughs> just like halloween is we saw look if you set something up just follow through with it is what we're saying halloween is transport man be this shining example of what not to fucking do to end your fucking your series on dinosaurs do what you promised. <laughs> i still laugh at the whole christmas size night and fucking violent night oh um, uh but all right enough on that one what is uh what's your number two my number two is a movie you convinced me to see, and I blame you for this experience. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love a good werewolf movie. I didn't convince you to see this. You did. You brought it up. You're like, you should, like, you should check this out. It's getting really good reviews. And I'm like, well, okay. Oh, yeah. I, I, had no, I didn't know anything about this, but then you were like, you should check this out. And I'm like, well, I got a free day. Why not? And then we were both like, shit. <laughs> this yeah. is The Cursed from earlier this year. Oh. That's my number two also. Hey. Uh, I wonder if we have the same number one. <laughs> but um, this was the most boring movie I've ever seen in a theater. And I actually did fall asleep for a good chunk of the middle. I woke up confused as shit. Like, wait, oh, how long have I been out? <laughs> and I just kept nodding off. Because this movie takes werewolves and werewolf hunters and silver teeth made from the the silver that Judas got by betraying Jesus and makes it boring as fuck. And then when we finally do get werewolves, it's the most abysmal CGI I've ever seen. <laughs> it looks like a, you know, emaciated dog just kind of wandering around. And yeah, I just I couldn't believe that this was the direction this film decided to go in and I just, you know, I'm I've been waiting for a good werewolf movie. I American Werewolf in London spoiled me. I've never gotten anything that came even close. There's been some some good stuff recently. Rules Within, I thought was really really good. That was um, good, but it didn't it didn't scratch. Werewolf. Uh, oh well, look, you gotta stop doing that. Just oh. Werewolf from London exists in its own right. And you gotta just enjoy all the other stuff that is. I'm good. gonna have filet mignon. I'm gonna compare every other steak I have after that to that great nope. meal, and I'm gonna think nope. this was good, but it wasn't as good as that meal I had. You gotta stop comparing. So it just leaves a disappointment. Nope. Um, so that's that's all going to be this point. So Rose Williams, I know that one's really good. I've been waiting. Should I just going to add it this month? Um, the Wolf Snow Hollow or something like that. Oh, that was good. I saw that. I say I've heard good things about that. I might check that one out. But no, I'm with you. This was not it. I yeah. You know what's crazy? Not only did I fall for it, the whole like oh when I was hearing good things about that movie. Um, 
I'm still hearing good things. Like people, I see it all the time in all my horror face various horror groups. People being like, "Man, this is one of the best films of the year," and it was slept on. And like, I'm like, "What goddamn movie did you watch?" You know what had me rolling? This movie declared itself like the the marketing declared it the scariest film of the year. This came out in February. It was like probably yeah. At this point, it probably is the scariest movie of the year. We're two months in. Slow the fuck down. Yeah, I was like, we have a whole year. Um, and are you get beat and scares by a lot of other films later on? Um, but yeah, I this film has like a weird love. I'm like, apparently, we're on an island, so a lot of people are so just like, man, this is a real. I'm like, no, I was like, the werewolves looked like shit. It kept doing the weird shaky cam to fucking make you sick as hell whenever there was an attack scene. So you don't can't tell what the hell's going on. The plot sucks because I can never I don't know where the hell is ever going. And I don't mean that in a good way in this case. Um I remember sitting going like where are we going with this movie? What the fuck? None of the characters you latch on to because they all you don't know who you don't even really know who the main character is for at least like almost the first hour of this movie. <laughs> you're like who is the main character? Who the fuck am I following? This was like if Jane Austen or Charlotte Bront wrote a werewolf story and it became a movie. And we were like, it's mostly just like, you know, Victorian England and their woes and loves and whatnot. And then they're like, oh, wait, shit, we got to put a werewolf in here. And so they shoved it in at the end of the movie and we were all kind of bored already and lost interest. Yeah. Cause I, I was like, I, was, I didn't fall asleep. I made it through, but I was bored to shit. The only thing I thought was interesting was that one scene when they see the, they, like the wolf come out of the stomach or whatever. Like that part was cool, and I was like, okay, where's more of that? Like, that's neat. Why isn't the West film up to this fucking stuff right now? I don't even remember that. It was like halfway through when they take that thing to the barn and like some weird. I just remember werewolf stomach. It's hard to remember. Um, I have, I think, all right, something's coming through. I, I might vaguely remember something like that. This movie did not stick. No, and I actually forgot it came out this year when I was coming with those. I was like, oh shit, this did come out this year. I fucking block that yeah i look i i really these people that are loving it please try to convince me because i i keep seeing online people talking so highly about like oh what original cool take on werewolf mythos and blah blah i'm like i don't know what movie you're watching but i fucking hate it every second i sat through this film tears. just because the critics say it's great does not mean you have to say it's great or else you look like an idiot i think a lot of people do that i think just because it's critically acclaimed you have to say it's critically acclaimed too and just you know kiss its ass and I'm here to say you don't have to. We don't do that all the time. And we're here. And we're it's called independent thinking. Try it sometime. It's fun. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, no, when it comes to rural films, this is not something I'm I'm putting on. No way. No, especially again, like coming off stuff like roles within like that's a fucking werewolf movie. This no, no, give me Say what you wrote about the Underworld films, but I fucking like their fucking werewolves much better than this one. Question. What's the worst werewolf film? Cursed or The Cursed? <laughs> the Cursed. Yeah. Cursed at least kept my interest. I didn't fall asleep. Yeah. Cursed, like, look, that's a whole thing on why that film, like, I would watch that again and again. But The Cursed, no. I'm sorry. I do not see what everyone else does. I'm, I know on an island i don't give a shit fuck this goddamn movie no, islands are fun i can do stuff yeah. all right uh, well shit uh what's your number one then 
My number one pissed me off royally because I had high expectations. Firestarter. That's not my number one, actually. I have a different one. Ooh. Well, I have no idea what yours is then. I'm excited. Um, So when it comes to Stephen King, I have one very easy to follow rule, and that is please just adapt the story properly. Please just take this, put this in a script, and make, make a movie version of it. I mean, you know, change what you need to for pacing or timing or little things to make it your own, but don't just take one of Stephen King's greatest villains or two of him. Hmm? I was like, or to avoid awkwardness and it. Yeah, or you know, if you're going to take out anything, take out the child orgy. That's a good. That's a good move. Yeah, yeah. Still don't know why that's in that book. Go on. And he he won't tell us. He keeps saying like it's art, and then just kind of dodging the question, which is a little concerning. <laughs> um, but what this movie did to the to John Rainbird turned him into a victim of the shop and this like you know unmisunderstood guy who's gonna teach charlie how to be one with her powers like no, fuck that this dude is a monster a vicious assassin who wants nothing more than to exploit her for his own powerful needs and wants and desires that is john rainbird even george c scott understood that when he played him in the 80s this movie sucks all the joy and the intrigue out of firestarter and leaves us with the table scraps of a terrible story charlie is a sadist her dad doesn't even fucking like her the the shop stuff is all gone rainbird is a joke this was horrible this movie was maybe the worst stephen king adaptation i've ever seen i was so pissed especially as the trailer looked so promising and this looked really cool like an updated version of of the movie of the book and i was i thankfully i didn't see this at the theaters i watched i watched this on i think it was peacock and I was just seething from beginning to end and was just bummed and pissed. And this was easily the worst film of the year for me. Damn. Uh, I think it's for me, the only reason I'm part number one is like, well, one, I didn't like it. I'd liked it a bit better than most. Did still didn't really like it all that much. I was like, okay. Um, one, I, actually, I haven't read Firestar yet. So I haven't read the book yet, but that particular Stephen King book. And the only when it comes to the original film, I didn't watch it until we did the film gasm episode on it. So like okay. I didn't have like a deep appreciation for it like this. Uh like uh like you do. With yeah. that said, I remember when I went into it, I was like, look, I can acknowledge things I do like, like you know, scenes like Airfarm really actually try kind of do something outside of being like, you know, what he did kind of earlier being like the hot dude in the movie. And that's something against that I actually really like Zach Airfarm. He seems like a cool dude, and he is a really good actor, as we saw in um extremely wicked um when he played ted bundy so he, he had you know good seems like a cool dude good actor um but you know seeing him play a dad which really kind of made me realize my age because like oh my god i remember when he was playing troy in high school musical god damn it we've hit the point where he can play a dad now <laughs> <laughs> fuck uh but you know he, he i think a lot of the performances are going to this film you can tell everyone's trying um, I don't think that's necessarily a bad performance. I do again, John Carpenter, you know, just like you said at Halloween ends, John Carpenter comes in with a really good score. Yeah. Another um, thing I really liked from this movie. He he can do no wrong when he's in front of a synth, really. Yeah. So there were those things I liked. I do get where you're coming from though. And I do like, yeah, this film, like it looked like it was condensing a lot. And honestly, kind of felt like a superhero phone. Like that montage just felt like a superhero phone. 
fight. It doesn't just condense. It straight up takes out. Like it took all the character development out of the story. Like we're mm-hmm. it's, it, it pretty much said like everyone who's watching this has probably read the read the book or seen the other movie, so we don't have to try that hard. Which is some yeah. Bullshit. <laughs> so, yeah, and then and like they would like Rainbird, like you know, in the original film they made the the mis- <laughs> the egregious mistake of casting fucking George C. Scott, but performance wise he fucking brought it. He clearly understood the the role. In this case. They correct it by getting someone that is actually fucking Native American for the Native American character. And he he is good in what he's given. He is doing a good performance. But they write it so weird. Like you said, he's supposed to be a villain and get this whole sympathetic moment in the end where he takes Charlie for her to go live with them. And it's like, what the... Even as someone who hadn't read the book, Mm -hmm. I was sitting there going, wait, what? Why are we ending with that? That's, you know, I, I compared it in my review. It's like if they made it and Pennywise was an actual clown who just wanted to befriend some children and he was demonized by the town. That's what it felt like. Because John Rainbird is one of Stephen King's like greatest monsters. He's a human monster who's very much just like emotionless, cold, evil, sadistic, and doesn't care who he kills to get what he wants. I love the character in the book. And all I've gotten is a joke in the 84 version and a complete misrepresentation in the new one. So Firestarter, in terms of adaptations, is dead to me. I'll always have the book, but they clearly can't get this right. No, and if you're asked, I'd probably go back to the original. So would I. Before I ever go back to uh, go back to this one. Um, it, it, it's just a better movie, if I'm being completely honest. Even It kind of has a lull to me where I'm like, okay, come on, movie. But then it kind of it picks up. Um, so yeah, no, uh, yeah, I definitely see where it comes from. Uh, my number one, and this might be a first in a long time for superheroes because we have such good shit with Marvel going on, but uh, Morbius, what the fuck? That's what the fuck, really? Wow, yeah, for me, it's it's simply a, one, a lot of the things you already said, right? Um, but also, look. What the hell was like I said in Oscar Sunday? What the hell is going on with superhero films this this year and really kind of prior? Like phase four of the MCU. Look, I'm not a stan. I see what you know the people are like. It's all going to make sense when it comes together. Fuck you. This phase has been okay. All right. Look straight up. Phase four has been rocky as shit. All right. It's okay to admit it. Um, DC. Yeah. Um. <laughs> no, not going to beat that horse yet anymore um and then all of a sudden in the midst of like mc losing my interest because they're they're like subpar fucking efforts except for the occasional standout dc being dc and then finally i have this fucking movie that feels like pre-2008 iron man type of shit like like what the hell sony yeah 2003 Daredevil, 2007 Ghost Rider vibe. Yeah, like you have this film that, like, fucking, like I said, Jared Leto, fucking superhero box office poison. Stop casting him as superhero, especially because he's he's stupidly method. Like he's just a jackass method. Um, he, I don't. Some people were trying to say I don't think he's really even that good in the role. Um, the storyline of this is told with the movie again. Look. You want to talk about just ends movies that just ends? Holy God, this film just 
ends. Like it just stops. <laughs> it does. I I feel bad for Michael Keaton who got dragged into this shit as the vulture. And his whole team up thing is like, hey, there might be a Spider-Man here. We should team up and Morbius didn't say, what the hell's a Spider-Man? That was my next thing. I'm like, so first off, let's just let's dive into this fucking post-credits scene. First <laughs> off, this was the most egregious example of trying as hard as you can to make to build something up, even if it, even if it defies logic. Like nothing about what this is makes sense. He why why was he in his in his world? If you saw No Way Home, everybody went back to their respective universes. Why did he be the exception? That wasn't established. And then also he was always just build a fucking suit that quick in a different universe wait with no lab <laughs> and then it's just like hey look i'm in a different universe there has to be a spider-man here okay and it's not even your spider-man so why do you give a shit and yeah. then you're not morbius. like oh, go ahead sorry sorry i just gotta dig into all this yeah and morbius who we've established is supposed to be the fucking anti-hero good guy that we follow is just like oh yeah i'll join your evil villain villain group what the hell? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's weird. Like, why is Vulture not like you know? He's not trying to find a way back, or you know, to his to his ex wife and his daughter, which is what this was all about. He he's just trying to find a Spider Man to kick the shit out of. <laughs> like, what if they can't find one? Is he going to settle for Venom because he kind of looks like Spider Man? <laughs> <laughs> Is yeah, it's so it makes no sense, and everyone was just like, "Why is Sony cannot let go of their Sinister Six dream? They can't let go, even though No Way Home basically did that already, and they did it really well. They didn't do it. They didn't do it very. It's almost comical at this point because they had it. This is I would say to be their third time now because they had the build up in the Amazing Spider-Man that no one cared about. They even had like the whole post-credit scene that went nowhere. They then announced the Sinister Six movie, regardless of what was going on with that, and then that fucking went dead in the water. And that that was actually because I remember when they announced, I'm like, it was true. God was supposed to direct the guy who did Cabin in the Woods. I was like, oh fuck yeah. Um, but that died, and then they followed that up with this. I'm like, just let it go. Like you guys can't do it. It's sad at this point. Yeah, if you want evidence of why sony should not be the caretakers of spider-man just look at their film output over the past five or six years i mean good lord why do they keep doing this i'm waiting for that house of mouse to just say fuck it and buy the company just so they can stop this shit yeah because if you look at that stuff because i know some people are like well what about you know you know into the spider-verse or the venom movies venom works because of tom hardy and his he has a lot of he's kind of like the ryan reynolds with deadpool he's a lot of creative control over those films um, so that's why those even work is because he's working his ass off to make sure that those movies work. And into the Spider-Verse, apparently they just Sony just left their fucking pe- the animators alone. They did their thing and look what happened. But anytime it's like Sony getting actively involved, oh boy. Um, because like you said, like this phone got delayed numerous times. At first it was like, well, okay, it got delayed because of COVID or whatever. But then the rumors of the reshoots. And then when everything was finally getting settled in place on on schedule, but this was still getting delayed, it was like, okay, there's an issue. Um, and yeah, I, you know how you said you fell asleep, dude. I was fighting sleep on this movie. I remember I was sitting there going, "Don't fall asleep. Just fuck. It. You can make it. You got this." Um, and now you know I'm not excited for Craven, especially all the rumors coming out about what it might be. 
fuck that movie. Um, and look, I saw Bullet Train. Is Aaron Taylor Johnson a capable enough actor? Yes. Is he Craven? God no. God fucking no. Um, well, the, also that like if these rumors are true, that they're turning him into like a wildlife protector, like a vegan like tree hugger dude. Like, have you read Craven any any comic he was involved? Yeah. In? So just rob us right there in his name. He's not hunting cabbages. No. And okay, just rob us of one of the greatest comic book storylines of all time. In the last hunt. Are you serious? Did a last hunt with like Toby or Andrew and a full size Craven? God, that'd be a great movie. Yeah. But because Sony's playing fucking hardball, we get up with shit like Morbius. And then they're trying to they and I love how they keep trying to say like, yeah, you know, we can get Spider-Man. It's like clearly you can't get Spider-Man because Disney is doing whatever fucking power they have to be like, no, 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 no. We're keeping Spider-Man, buddy. Ugh. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just a continuous disaster. And I liked Venom, but I really wish it had bombed so that Sony would have had a lot less negotiation power when it came to Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, Morbius. Uh, this film, I, 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 I felt like I just watched this film out of obligation and it was just the worst thing. I'll say this. um, Not David Tennant. God damn it. Matt Smith. <laughs> The other Doctor Who guy, yeah. Yeah, I was like, I was literally about to say Doctor Who guy because I was blind blanking. Matt Smith, he's had a good year. He he was, I liked him in this movie, and just as much as I liked him in House of the Dragon, which was a lot. So, hats off to him. I really liked him in this movie, even if like he, he, the vampire shit looked worse than it does in Buffy. Which, for those of you who have seen Buffy, you know what I mean? Because you, you're watching me like, did they just fucking watch like all seven seasons of Buffy and go like, that's how we're going to do our vampires? <laughs> but you worse. Know, Matt Smith's got charisma. He can't really, you know, anything he's in, he's just going to he's gonna stand out as like the best part of it. Uh, and he got to be a bad guy, which was probably pretty fun because, you know, Doctor Who is so damn noble. And now he got to be a piece of shit. But I needed more than that. I needed, you know, a story. A likable hero, maybe some an R-rated vampire horror movie would be nice. Why is Ty, why is Tyrese here? His character serves no point, and has apparently some point he has like a robot arm or something that's like not really explained. I'm like, of course not. <laughs> yeah, you can feel the reshoots. You can feel that this is like the 24th draft of the script. It's it's a disaster, and it's terrible, and it's forgettable, and. uh the most that's come out of this movie in terms of legacy is going to be the fucking it's Morbin time meme. So yeah, that and Sony taking that as like, Oh, they liked it. And then having a bomb twice in one year on the same movie. <laughs> that's a special, even Warner brothers hasn't fucked up bad, bad. You think Warner brothers looks I was like, look, I know we're doing bad, but we haven't, we haven't done that bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I bet they do. I bet they're always like, Hey, we could have Sony'd this. And they're like, you know what? You're right. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. <laughs> we did it, boys. <sighs> All right. Let's just recap our top five, and then um, we'll move on, because we got a beefy uh, development hell. So uh, just go ahead and recap your top five, if you will. Number five, Morbius. Number four, Death on the Nile. Number three, Crimes of the Future. Number two, The Cursed. Number one, Firestarter. Nice. Mine, number five, was Death on the Nile. Number four was Halloween Ends. Three, Jurassic World Dominion. Two, The Cursed. And one, Morbius. And then, like I said, look, 
you know, come at me, come at us all you want with this whole like, yeah, Shan Dear Worse, you're just kicking the mother down. It's subjective. If you like these films, in all honesty, joking aside, awesome. You like what you like, I don't care. These just do not work for me. The films you picked do not work for you. So you like all of these. I urge you to get tested for COVID because you clearly have no taste. All right. Connor just wants this to be mired in controversy. So let's move on. <laughs> Development hell. God, every time I try to fucking actually not no, no. I'm diplomatic. not letting you be diplomatic. Not on this show. I love how like I'm usually one that's not diplomatic. And then when I try, you fucking you take a chance to just bring it down. Like I think I would think you would be happy I'm trying to be diplomatic for once. No, no. This is our chaotic show. I refuse to let you play nice. I will play nice. Go fuck yourself. All right, development hell. All right. Let's do this. Like most of Ed Wood's work, this is Planet from Outer Space, in case you all forgot, by the way, because I know we just spent a long time talking about bottom five. Uh, like most of Ed Wood's work, this is a film which will be made with minimum finance, financial resources, therefore underscoring one of the qualities of his work. His ideals tend to be too expensive to film, yet he would try anyway. I love that. I love he's like, you can't afford this. And he's like, well, I'm going to try. <laughs> yeah, which, look, for me personally, I, I I respect that. Like, look, I'm going to get this film made no matter what. Like, I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to scratch it. He, you know, look, you know, when you look at, like, your indie film, I know we talked about a little bit with Don Dead when we did the film, guys, and right, you look at, like, your your Lloyd Kaufman's, your Roger Corman's, your George A. Romero's, I would put Edward in, in the conversation since that he did and by that spirit of like, I'm going to get this film made no matter what. I want to scrap together whatever I can to get the film made and get it out there. So I, I, I respect that personally. Yeah, I do to an extent, but also I think like you got to be aware of your own limitations and realize like maybe I can't do a war of the worlds. Maybe I got to tone it down a bit and do what I'm capable of. Like you got to have that at some point. You got to have somebody in your crew who says, hey, dude, you can't do it sometimes. Yes, but would he have the legacy he has now? Because his films have taken on a weird legacy of their own. He wouldn't. And I want to live in that world. Nope. I I, I like the legacy he's left. <laughs> Good for you. You just, you don't get it, my friend. Um, As for the production itself, the Flying Saucers. Were made using a recognizable plastic model kit of. Ah, uh, oh, goddamn! I lost my place. <laughs> oh, I'm back. Using they so they used a recognizable plastic model kit at the time that was issued by toy manufacturer Paul Lindbergh through his Lindbergh Line Model Kit Company in 1952. So they're literally just like little plastically model kits that they painted to look like flying saucers. See, if I'm a kid in the 50s. I'm going to see this. I don't want to be able to say, hey, I have that toy at the <laughs> at the flying saucers in the movie. I'm just, nah. And I liked it because it was ridiculous. <laughs> and even I was like, these don't, these, these look clearly fake, but fuck it. Uh, a man by the name of Harry Thomas, he was a film's makeup guy. Apparently he would become furious with uh, Wood when he refused to follow his suggestions re suggestions regarding the appearance of the aliens in the film. Good old Mr. Thomas here had created rubber chin appliances to elongate the faces, along with cat's eye contact lenses and green wigs 
for them to wear so they would have a more unearthly appearance. <laughs> I wish that he just stopped at the elongated chins. I wish they just had giant ass chins. Right? Oh my god. And Wood was like, no, I think just a disco suit will do. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, well, so apparently what happened, Wood refused because he didn't have enough time for these things. Oh, he could compromise on that, but everything else was like, no, I'm going to force it into this movie, but because it was somebody else's idea, they didn't have time for it. Man, you're really uh, going after them. I just think they didn't have time. I don't know about that. This sounds ego-driven. I think you're you're pulling. I think you're pulling on that one. I don't know. It's just, you know, all my ideas made it into the movie, but his idea, we didn't have time. Well, yeah, you don't have time. Because all that time in the makeup is precious seconds we're not shooting. I'm suspicious. All right. Well, that's why he said no. And that also caused, because I don't know if you know, did you see his name, uh, Mr. A Makeup Man with that name in the credits? You think I was reading the credits? Come on. Really? I hate you. (laughs) Damn it. Well, it caused Thomas to withdraw his name from the film's credits. He was like, well, if that's the case, don't put me in the damn credits. So he was true. I think that was a smart move on Mr. Thomas's part. Well, he is still associated with this film, so it doesn't matter. Damn. <laughs> now, let's talk about some of these actors, okay? According to... Uh, forgive me if I fuck this up. My, Mela, Myla, Normie, Vampira. She is credited as her character Vamp- Vampira. Vampira. Vampira, Vampira, Tomatoes, Tomatoes. She was... She is credited as a Vampira. Obviously, her stage name, but you know, act- actress, uh, actual name. For those who don't know who she was, she was a precursor to people like um, Ovira. I was believing about my mic again. Ovira, you know, your horror host of that time, like Zachary Lee, Vampira, you know, all these people. Um... So she was in the film and she was recruited by a frequent Wood collaborator, Mr. Paul Marco. He appears in a bunch of uh, Ed Wood movies for $200 to act as a vampire in the film. It's 1950s, guys, so 200 went a long way back then. She, I found out later, Um, you haven't seen the movie Ed Wood, right? No, I haven't. That movie is all about the production of Plan 9 from Outer Space and how it came about. It's a great movie. Yeah, I need to watch it. I should have watched it in preparation for this, but... Okay, I did, so I'll cover that. But um, she sued Elvira. Yeah, uh, I... Oh, uh, Cassandra Peterson, the lady who plays Elvira, she's talked about that uh, before. She usually won't go into details, but she'll mention, like, yeah, she's sued. And apparently, the lady who played in Vampire wasn't exactly the nicest person. No, 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 no. She's played in um in Edwood by um Lisa Marie, Tim Burton's first wife. Mm-hmm. And she's just the whole time like, I don't want to be here, but I have no other work. And she just is bitter and resentful the whole time. It's great. Yeah, yeah. She uh she's sued because we look like they, you know, I think it was like because of the wig and the dress that vampire was like trying to say, Well, Elvira copied me. And Elvira's been very open. She's like, Well, she wasn't influenced, but I didn't copy her. So yeah, obviously she was an influence for like what I would go on to do, but I didn't copy her. Um, 
But again, like to her credit, Cassandra Peterson is actually like apparently a very nice human being. She won't she'll mention, yes, she did sue me. I don't she doesn't really go into details about it. She kind of lets lets it go. Um, so I've heard about that, yeah. <laughs> you have you her, her dialogue uh request in there. Yes, we will get to that, so don't worry on it. <laughs> so now she and by she I mean vampire, not Elvira. He was not in this film because Either she was a kid or not alive at that time. I know Cassandra was in her 70s. I can't do math right now, but I know she's in her 70s. I'll do the math later and find out. Um, but uh, Vampiro would claim uh, that she insisted the part be silent as she didn't like the dialogue would have written for her. Now, the only thing that could dispute that only thing uh, and that could say this game claim could be inaccurate is that the zombie undead characters are all mute anyway like no none of them talk anyway so it's like yeah there's a chance that that's probably what happened but at the same time like you know none of the characters that are in that group that you're playing are even talking to begin with well i wonder if that's because wood was like well i don't want her to stand out so i'll make them all mute yeah it could be that like i said it, it's weird it's one of those things where like i'm not saying i don't distrust vampire but you know just because the kind of person we we know the actress to be and to be as petty as to sue someone because basically like let's just be honest like i think by the time she did like said that she she did this movie her show was off the air like she wasn't really making a lot like the swimming i think was more to get some money than anything um yep that's why i'm like if she could 100 be telling the truth but at the same time just knowing her character there's a chance she's lying to, you know, promote publicity or controversy of some kind. Yeah. It's she didn't seem like a very nice person. No. Um, and then uh again, to kind of now put it back in her favor, it has been noted by several actors to their displeasure over the script. So so again, to now go back on her side to kind of play Dever advocate on both sides here, a lot of the actors spoke about how much they did not like the dialogue of the script. Well, when you crank out a horror sci-fi flick in two weeks and just tell everybody this is what we can afford, I think everyone kind of realizes they're not making a masterpiece. I think a lot of them realized that, and they went, all right, let's do this. (laughs) All right. Now, let's spend quite a bit of time on the elephant in the room and the cast in this film. And let's talk about a horror legend and his connection to this film. I don't know. For those who do watch this film, you probably notice that Bella Lugosi's name pops up. So, a little history on that. So, shortly before Bella Lugosi's death in August of 1956, he had been working with Wood on a handful of half-realized projects, various titled things such as The Vampire's Tomb, The Gold Goes West, things of that nature. Right? It's more horror stuff that, you know, him and Wood were working on. Some scenes for these projects had been shot. For example... And tell me if you know, we've heard any of these from the movie. Lugosi reaping at a funeral, picking a rose from a bush in front of Tor Johnson's house during the day, walking in and out of same house's side door at night, and Lugosi stalking towards the camera and dramatically spreading his Dracula cape, and it is his actual Dracula cape in case you're wondering, before throwing it around himself and walking away. Tell me if any of those sound familiar to you. Yes, because I've seen Ed Wood. <laughs> All these scenes 
like the scene of him picking the flower in, in front of the house is a significant moment in Ed Wood because they both kind of realize like this is the last thing we're going to film together. Uh, and it's uh, Martin Landau plays uh, Lugosi and he does an incredible job. He won an Oscar for it, actually. Uh, but yeah, Lugosi and Wood became good friends You know, after Lugosi kind of got kicked out of Hollywood for you know drugs and being difficult. Uh, in the movie, he has quite a beef with Boris Karloff, but I don't think that was real. Yeah, that I know. Uh, Josh about that briefly when we did uh, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, um, because obviously they're both in it. I they may had like I I won't I won't be surprised if they had like a friendly rivalry with each other. You know, both being Universal guys and obviously being. If anyone, it's a it's a very interesting history how they're both connected to Frankenstein before Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Um, how they're both kind of connected to that and the whole history with that, but I'm sure it was more of a friendly thing. I doubt they had like a bitter, bitter fucking rivalry. Yeah, in Ed Wood, there's a scene where uh, some like PA dude walks up to Lugosi and was like, "I'm a huge fan." You know, I've, do you know Boris Karloff? And Lugosi goes like, "Fuck you!" and like goes off on this kid. So I don't think it was that bad. No. Uh huh. <laughs> Ah, well, and not only that, but I say if they're familiar, because some of these scenes, I don't know if you know, bits of them in fucking Plan 9 from outer space, because we'll get to that. Yeah, it was, you know, they just kind of sewed them into the into the film, which I, I like. I think it's cute. Yeah. So you're like, hey, that's Lugosi. Oh, <laughs> um, well. And so getting to that, uh, these shots were improvised, apparently, and only the first two sequences had reached any level of completion. The first two I mentioned um, before being shelved due to, you know, Lugosi's um, untimely death at the time. So with that, the story and screenplay for this film, I'm not going to say it's original title yet. We're going to get to that. I get to talk about its release. The story and screenplay for Plan 9 would be written and finalized not too long after Lugosi's death. So he didn't finish the script for this until after you know, he passed away. So Wood, to get him into the movie, would use that self-said show footage as a means to get a known credit into his film and attracting other actors to the picture. So it was like, hey, if I do this, I can get people into because it it's about Lugosi. Don't worry, I'm going to get to the sweet friend thing in a minute. But that was also it was also a little bit of a business decision. That's it's kind of fucked up. <laughs> nah. Oh. I'm going to exploit my dead friend so I can get more people to see my movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the thing. It would work because it, it got him the, the interest of Gregory Walcott, Vampira, obviously, among others. It would literally telling them that he was making Bo- Bela Lugosi's last movie, which he wasn't wrong, technically. In that regard, um, <laughs> again, to add the touch of sweetness, you know, though his actions were, were partly driven by a desire to give his film a star name and attract the horror fans, he also meant it. I think he was on record saying it was meant to be a loving farewell and tribute to the actor who had, like you mentioned, they had become close friends. Um, you know, as you said, when Lugosi was kind of having some trouble getting getting films, you know, film roles in Hollywood due to reputation and whatnot and the and at the time the horror stigma it's not like nowadays where you can actually kind of make a thriving career being a horror actor um edward kind of came in and gave him like a second life with his films and would you know they became good friends he usually cast them in his films would 
we've worked with them. So, yes, it was a, obviously a, a partial reason to be like, hey, let's get a star name because I'm friends with Lugosi and I have this shot footage. But also like, hey, let's do this for my friend who passed away. Yeah, okay. I can see both sides of it. Just at first, it's kind of like, you know, hey, I got Lugosi's last footage here. If I just start selling this movie as Lugosi's, you know, the last time you'll ever see Dracula, then, you know, I can I can sell this fucker. It sounds like that at first, but yeah, you know, I, I get it. They were close, and he's like, Bella would want me to do this. Yeah, and um, coincidentally, um, there was further footage that would have shot of Lugosi at some unspecified pre-1956 date that was actually meant to be the basis for a second film and in this case, because it's a, a posthumous film, so he even had intentions to be like, hey, let me, you know, I have enough footage that we shot for his death. I can make, you know, a, a, a you know, a post, a post, posthumous, there you go, a posthumous uh, film for my buddy um, that was supposed to be titled Ghouls of the Moon. Well, we never got that film because due to shooting on old volatile nitrate film stock, you know, the same thing that would burn very easily and why we've lost so many films from that era and earlier. Um, it had dissolved into a toxic smelling sludge by the time Wood returned to use it in the summer of 1959. So it would be obviously abandoned. There goes plan 10 from outer space. Ah, oh, yeah, it sucks how much footage we've lost over the years because of, you know, improper storage of films and just you know how volatile the stock was ah that that hurts you know there's mm. hundreds of films out there we'll never get to see because they're lost to time yeah and in this case like regardless of how the quality of that film would come out like it kind of sucks i i do feel bad for Edwin on that one because like you know that was like hey i have enough material here to do something for my friend and give him a a, a last film you know post his death you know he would want this just to come back and be like, ah, oh, shit. Because it's sludge now. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. He could have cast Karloff in a, in a role. I'm sure he was looking for work at the time. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> All right. Now for the release and whatnot. That's about as much as I could find. If you want to know any more as far as like... um good like production stuff outside of what i was using my sources um there is a a, a plan nine from space like companion book that goes into a lot of depth um hopefully it's available on amazon i don't know if that book's out of print but that's where they were pulling a lot of information from and then yes it's a traumatization it's a movie so obviously things won't always be exactly 100 correct but the ed wood film directed by tim burton will also cover a lot of ground true I also recommend the book that Ed Wood was based on, uh, Nightmare of Ecstasy by Rudolph Gray, which is a biography of Ed Wood and the production of Plan 9 from Outer Space. So, yeah, all of that it will uh, reinforce your uh, your knowledge of 50s cult favorites. Yes. So, but again, this is where I was able to pull some interesting stuff. That Because again, just with how the show's going to be, I kind of had to unfortunately like, pull was interesting, condense, and try to make it all work. Um, so on that, we're going to move on to like the, again, the release stuff. So I've kind of, I skirted around the bush earlier, but this did not originally have the title it has. Um, originally this was titled Grave Robbers from Outer Space, which 
if you watch it, they even say grave robbers in the movie, actually. Um, but the, the fucking psychic for some reason. Um, but it was originally <laughs> original entire grave robbers from outer space. It was shot in actually ni- November of 1956, with a premiere set for 1957 in March. Um, it had this one premiere, it was a preview screening, and then it just like disappeared for like a year. It took a whole other year. Um, before it finally got picked up by the Dis- Distributors Corporation of America, DCA. They picked it up in 58. Problem was, they would fold. And then... <laughs> of course. Yep. So they folded, and then it wouldn't be released again until July 1959 by Valiant Pictures, who had acquired a bunch of their movies. And that then with the title change of Plan 9 from Outer Space. That's, yeah. I do, not, Grave Robbers from Outer Space makes more sense. Yes. What's funny is that this is the supposed like reason people think, or it's believed why he changed it. Um, it's believed Lloyd may have changed the title himself because apparently he didn't want his backers to know the film was being dis- distributed in the South. If you remember, this was back during we talked about with Reefer Madness, the state's basis shit, where like different sectors had different titles and played, you know, it was a weird thing. This was the same time time frame. Yeah. Can't aff- can't offend the Bible belt with your grave robbing movie. Yep. So which is funny because the people who play grave robbers are from a Baptist church. <laughs> oh yeah. Because <laughs> of the backing. Yep. So <laughs> Okay. Funny enough, though, even though he didn't want them to know that, by 1959, his very backers that he was, I guess, lying to, if you want to believe that, uh, they gave up all hope of seeing a return their investment. They gave up. The church lost faith. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Well, their faith will be restored because now let, let we get into the next interesting part of this whole cycle. Because since then, since it's like kind of somewhat trouble release, this film has gone to achieve one of the most interesting legacies in film history. Uh, while Riley regards one of the worst films of all time, it has also become one of the hugest cult hits of all time. Um, to my perspective, I found an interesting quote, if you will, that pretty much has. What kind of says like where a lot of people have stated that the film is simply too amusing to be considered the worst film ever made with its ineptitude being a part of its charm. So basically, like this film is so bad, how can you hate it? Like, holy shit, like you're just laughing the whole way through. That's <laughs> that's like saying, like, don't make fun of him, he's trying. <laughs> like he's five years old. <laughs> yes. That's great. Like, yeah, and um it's just it just looks stupid. It's not really stupid. <laughs> that's beautiful. Yeah, so it and this is the funny thing. That's just audiences. That's not this kind not even accounting for the main times it's been referenced in various forms of entertainment like music, books, video games, other movies. Uh I, the misfits, I'm pretty sure they either have a song or Glenn, you know, Danzig has a studio called Plan 9. Like this shit has been referenced to death. The uh, if y'all have ever played the game Destroy All Humans, the oh, op- yeah. the opening is a Criswell lookalike 
doing a narration much like Plan 9 from Outer Space. So now I finally get that reference. Yeah. So for what is worth, like, this is one of the most referenced films by, like, huge, huge various forms of entertainment. Like, like I said, Detroit Humans of Misfits, with Nanzig referencing it, like... Yeah, it's weird. Like it's it it's considered one of the worst films. One of the worst. I do. I think it used to be considered the worst, but I think it got beat. Um, but it's like top five for a lot of people. But it because of its like ineptitude, it's like it's hard for people to like look away. They're like, well, it's entertaining in a weird way, and because of that, it's it's lived on. It's had a legacy, and in a weird way, for many Edward fans, they do consider it to be his best and most entertaining work. Really says something about the rest of his work. <laughs> well, to me, I think it says, you know, we put certain we hold certain filmmakers to higher standards than we do others. Like when we're watching a Quentin Tarantino movie or a Steven Spielberg movie, we 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 expect a lot. When we're watching an Ed Wood movie, I think we're just happy he didn't take, you know, we're just happy he took the lens cap off. <laughs> Yeah, well, regardless of how Ed Wood meant for this film to be, it's out. It has attained its 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 place in cinema, um, and that's it's never going away. I mean, it is twenty twenty three now, and we are still talking about a film from ultimately nineteen fifty nine when it got its wide like Plan Nine release. Nineteen fifty seven, if you want to count, you know, it's Grave Robbers from Outer Space release. I wonder if Ed Wood knew that we all considered him the worst filmmaker of all time. Do you think anyone ever said that to his face? Like, hey, look, it's Ed Wood. You made the worst movie ever. No. <laughs> I wonder if that would have discouraged him or he would have worn it like a met like a sign of pride. Both. Probably pride, more likely. <laughs> but yeah, that's that is my beefy, girthy, meaty, juicy. Development hell. Ooh. Okay. I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> Good. <laughs> On that note, then, if you have no idea what to say to that, <laughs> we can move on to our next segment and start doing some awards for this, starting with Zack Snyder. We're seeing what did uh, what did you come up with? This was hard because it all kind of ran together. There wasn't really a lot of sequences. Uh, a lot of people live right next to a cemetery. I learned that. Uh, I went with a moment because I was like, really? That's how we're going to play this? It's when the cops are looking in the empty grave and they're like, who does it belong to? And they shine a light on this on the headstone. They're like, it's Inspector Clay. And there's this big music shock and they all look at each other. And I'm like, well, yeah, we saw him climb out of the grave like a half hour ago. Why is this a surprise to us? Why is it played like this big revelation? Like we saw the dude climb out. We know he's a zombie. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) But now they know, even though we, the audience know. (laughs) How many giant fuckers that look like Tor Johnson just walking around this town is the 50s so tor johnson back then would have stood out nowadays everyone looks like that that's true but in 1959 that was abnormal <laughs> now it's like every third dude at walmart 
Walmart has a reputation of that, and Target has like the nicer reputation. Yeah, they're eh. yeah, they're the same place. Just Target's red. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, this is a no. This uh, that's a good one to pick because yeah, it's like no, we saw that. We know <laughs> this doesn't need. <laughs> I don't need the music. Like I know. Yeah, it's like if in Empire Strikes Back, like the, you know, no, I am your father moment. And Luke's like, no, but we saw Luke mention that to the Emperor, like earlier in the movie. And we're like, well, yeah, <laughs> what's the shock? Like, you can't have both. Can't you want have the twist. That. Don't show us the twist earlier. Yeah, do it at the same time. And then we're talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah. That's that. That's a good one for me. It was this one was hard to immediately like this film just kind of filled with like bad scenes that are just oddly entertaining. Um, but for me, I picked the montage of when the alien saucers are being seen throughout Hollywood and they're showing people's reactions. For one, because it's utterly ridiculous and like, and also because there's no real like consequence to that throughout the rest of the movie. Like, you don't really, like, it's that people would just react like, oh, okay, and then move on. Like, like it wasn't a big deal. <laughs> like, you saw a bunch of alien ships fly over Hollywood. What the fuck? Yeah. I love those moments, like, when, in the cockpit when the, they're looking at the UFO, and they're like, you see that? And the steward is like, yep. Wonder what it is. Well, I gotta serve the coffee. <laughs> like, it's like this happens every day. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous, and it's like ah, like a part of me is like getting in my head, like people react, just fucking react, and then part of me is like, this is fucking too funny. <laughs> then no one cares. Yeah, none of these people have you know acting experience. I don't think they knew how to react. There's you know, ah, oh, like that's the best you could get. <laughs> There's a flying saucer. <laughs> I'm so glad film has gotten better. If it uh, stayed like this, I would probably be really into football. Speaking of which, uh, you hear about what happens to that one football player? Real quick. Oh, I do remember. Yeah. When right. that collapsed, he had a heart attack, apparently. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. Crazy shit happening in football, folks. Uh, someone <laughs> just collapsed. Yeah, there was a, a racer died in, an auto, in a snowmobile accident. Uh, yeah, so Jeremy Brenner goes to the hospital for a snowmobile accident, and then we Ken Block was the racer that died in a snowmobile accident. I'm like, Jesus Christ! Yeah, rough start to the year. Yeah, luckily I get. I mean, okay, so luckily on Jeremy Brenner's side, I should say he is apparently stable and should be fine. But you know, unfortunately for Ken Block. Um, now for the next one, the, the one about the man himself, Ed Wood, yeah. first line, which I am more than comfortable keeping it. The Ed Wood, we were going to talk about changing it because we thought maybe is that too harsh on him? No, no, he's right where he belongs. God, you are like a soulless monster. My line comes from Patrolman Kelton because it's just such a fucking redundant statement. From all I've seen tonight, guns won't do any good. Clay's dead, and we buried him. How are we going to kill someone who's already dead? Dead! And yet there he stands. 
it's like, yeah, we get it. He's dead. <laughs> you don't have to say it three different ways. It reminded me of the Emperor's New Groove when Kronk's like, oh, yeah, the poison, the poison chosen to kill Cusco. Cusco's poison. It's like, just stop doing that. Stop adding to the word count. I I needed I needed one more time to know if he was there or not, because after I was like, is he <laughs> undead walking among us for there he goes walking as if alive, but he's not. He's dead. He could It could have been a Shakespearean sonnet. I would love all films to talk like that. Like all, like can you imagine if like Saul, like the Saul series dialogue was like that? He's in I a trap. To, I want to play a game. A game is what we shall play. Have you heard of games? I have one. We will be playing tonight. Again, movies would suck if people did that <laughs> every time. <laughs> oh God! It sounds entertaining in my head though. Oh. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, it it was like, okay, we get it. He, he's dead. I don't... You you know what? Fuck it. Say it one more time. Why not? <laughs> but with mine, I picked um one said by the narrator, uh, Mr. Mr. Criswell, apparently a, a, own, a friend of Ed Wood and a renounced uh, psychic. Um, because mo- I could have picked any line he said because this guy's dialogue fucking sucks. Donkey dick. And his narration is god awful, um, but I think specific time it's in the same scene as the montage because I could not believe this is how we're reacting in the dialogue as well. And that's when he goes, "There comes a time in each man's life when he can even believe his own eyes." Well, yeah, he's seeing aliens, he's seeing UFOs like that. No, you say that when you walk into like a donkey show by mistake. If you've been to Mexico, you know what I'm talking about. Um, you don't say that when you're seeing fucking aliens, people. Uh, dude, Criswell's narration. For me, nothing beats. And remember, my friend, future events such as these will affect you in the future. Like, really? I thought it would affect me in the past. It's going to affect me now in the present. <laughs> It, uh, yeah, this this one is silent. And then the first is he saying it? You have like a guy rubbing his eyes and looking up like, oh. I'm like, oh god. <laughs> yeah, it's so fucking ridiculous. It's like they're pantomiming in a silent movie. Yeah, it, it's like, god damn it, I didn't. This is not the time to say this line. Okay, it's it's UFOs. And, ah, boy. But yeah, that's what I put. Um, next up. Steven Seagal, who, now that I think about it, hold on. Have we done a Michael Bay film yet on here? Yeah, we did The Island. That's right. What about, we've done Snyder, right? We did, did we? I don't think we have. I think Snyder and Steven Seagal, the only two have yet to be honored on our show, so might have to fix that at least for one of them this year. Um, Maybe in the second half, when I do the schedule for the second half of the year. Um, but yeah, so the Steven Seagal when you when you paused and were like, "Hold on, I thought you were finally going to tell me he's dead." Ah, damn. No, he's busy doing karate against death. <laughs> Stephen Seagal, the worst performance. Who'd you uh, who'd you pick out of all these people? I had a couple people written down. I had Vampira because I'm like, just talk, lady. Can you even can you even like walk forward without 
overacting. But then I went with um, Dudley Manlove. First off, wow, way to escape the gay porn scene with that name. And his performance is Eros, the, I guess, second in command of Plan 9. Because he's just the way... <laughs> got, got you there, huh? <laughs> Um, he's just, everything is like, he's acting like, like he's a stage actor trying to speak to like the back row. Everything he says is so loud and so enunciated, kind of like this. And it doesn't need to be. <laughs> and it just got on my nerves immediately. And then he kept going, especially when he's talking about the atom bomb and how we're being bad people and we're stupid, stupid, stupid. And it's just, Jesus, dude. God. Which, by the way, that 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 whole line dialogue and scene comes out of fucking nowhere in this movie. Like, I did not know this was an environmental movie until then. I was like, "What? What? What?" Your solution to this is raise the dead, and what? <laughs> that's that's all you got. That's it. That's what we're doing. All right. Uh, uh, yeah, that's what happens when you write a script in two weeks? Uh, yeah. No, he he was not that great and at first it's weird because he talks about how like they're, they're not attacking the humans and then he becomes really antagonistic at the end of the film out of fucking nowhere yeah doesn't make any sense he's a he's a joke no uh yeah i mean yeah he is he's a joke no he's not yes he is um <laughs> uh for mine i had a couple run down too I did actually toy with, you know, Vampire and, you know, no disrespect to the dead, but I did toy with Lugosi. Um, Then I saw what they did and I was like, well, okay, I'm not going to do that because that's unfair. Um, But I went with where I found who our lead was. uh, Gregory Walcott. I think that's how you say his last name. Um, He's awful. Um, Apparently he really hates this film and really hated the script and it kind of shows in his performance because he is nonchalant about everything that's happening about seeing the flying saucer about telling his wife he he just tells there's no like i can't tell you it it would fragile your poor woman mind of the 1950s because you know how the 1950s were at that time yeah even in space because we get that one line from arrows where he's like in my race women just breed they don't think i'm like oh (laughs) um but like he just straight up tells his wife very not She's like, what's wrong? I saw a flying saucer. Oh, okay. Let me fucking... I didn't know we were getting ready for a whole discussion about that. Let me just fucking now have a moment to re- realize what you just said. No, he just tells her and they go on about it. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, She's basically like, oh, that's nice, dear. And then just keeps doing what she's doing. Yeah. <laughs> And they have like the, you know, and then like the weird scene where like he has to go away and she's like, well, I'll just stay home and I gotta say, it's lonely in the bed when you're not there, and I'm like, what? Fuck. We really had a horrendous view of women in the 50s. Like, holy shit, this film reinforces that wholeheartedly. I'm like, my god. Kind of wish the 1950s were actually like exactly like this. Just everyone was nonchalant about alien invasions. (laughs) People just didn't react to shit. You imagine where we'd be today if human emotion just disappeared in the 1950s? 
It'd be weird because then, like, would like things like you know civil rights and like the women's suffrage movement, all that stuff had to happen. Would any of that had happened? Because with all that, you also have a film where you have a woman that's very happy just to be a housewife, and that's it. And this film is all about it. Ah, fifties. <laughs> I have expected her to be like, "I'll have sandwiches when you come home, boys," but that was never said. But it's heavily implied. <laughs> oh God! Uh, yeah, it's rough. I, I don't get why the why the aliens also have to be misogynistic. Like, why can't yeah, they I'm come like, from a you know a place of higher learning where they're you know they are equal? No, he's like, woman, don't you think I think in this relationship? Yep, you just fly the ship and shut the fuck up. Fly the ship. <laughs> Uh, cause uh, fifty, so that wasn't going to happen. But yeah, uh, Mr. Gregory Walcott. It shows that he didn't like this script. He didn't like this movie. His performance is awful. <laughs> and look, I will say it's fine in a way because you're just going the whole time like this guy is not acting like a fucking human being or <laughs> in this scenario throughout the whole movie. Aliens, huh? All right. Zombies, huh? Mm, sounds bad. All right. <laughs> it's just like okay. What could phase this guy? Russians, yeah. right? I'm the only one you need for this deadly mission. All right, I'll join. Was he the pilot? I think so. Yeah, yes. yeah, he was. He was pilot. Yeah, he was. He clearly just needed to pay the mortgage, and was like, "I guess I'm an actor now." <laughs> this is my job now. Ah, oh. all right. But on that note. <laughs> Now for a real fun one, I think. The worst filmmaking decision, the Michael Bay. What did you did you come up with? I can't wait to hear. We don't need this much narration. Criswell. The same thing. Criswell won't shut the fuck up the whole damn movie. He's like, and this is what happens when UFOs swarm the cities. It's like, just show us. Stop talking. Yeah. Well, it's that, and it's also terrible. Like the narration is awful. It really is. He was, he was just a, a local, like you know, psychic, probably the most famous person in this movie. Honestly, he went on Carson. Apparently, he accurately predicted the JFK assassination, which is pretty weird. That was weird. Yeah. He said uh, on his IMDb, I was reading that he said that uh, he went on Carson and he said JFK will not run for re-election in November 1964. Or in 1964, because of something that will happen to him in November 1963, which is uh, that's what happened. <laughs> that's weird. That's actually kind of crazy, right? Well, but in this movie, he's just there to be like, now things happen in the future for aliens to see into your future and just do what you think might be good for the future. Like nothing he says makes any fucking sense. <laughs> no, and like everything he's saying is like literally what's happening on the screen. So it's like the worst type of narration. It's like, and he leaves his house, and he's starting to think, what? Why would he leave his house? And did he forget maybe his wallet? And did he give his wife a good beating before he left? <laughs> like it's again, no comment on that comment. 1950s. Watch any 1950s cinema or history. Bad time. If you if you want like a white straight male, good luck. <laughs> he uh. He's played by Jeffrey Jones in uh, Ed Wood. 
And he does the opening narration of that movie too. God, yes. <laughs> He's like, like dare to dream, like a fil- a filmmaker such as this would ever make. Like it's so it's crazy. I love it, that fifties, like the way people talked in the fifties. We don't have that anymore. Like the drawl. I don't know what that's called, but I wish we like we got to bring that back. Yeah, right. It's only. I hope no one actually talks like that, but it's like in every movie you watch. Yeah, everyone's a newspaper man. Yeah, dude. I wish like I want that in like film noir dialogue come back. I want people to be like, "So what you thinking?" Say, <laughs> I want to yeah, watch it with like you know Tom Hardy and Mark Ruffalo, where they're like, "Now listen here, see, he was murdered. See, we got to solve this now. See, we got to do it before the coppers come at us." <laughs> we need that back. I don't know what it was or why it left, but I miss it. So good, and yeah, the, the, that oh god. Uh yeah, but yeah, Criswell like look, regardless of how great of a psychic he may have been and how good of friends he was obvi- he obviously was with Edward, his narration dialogue is laughably bad and it's awful to hear because it's literally just and then he rose out of the grave and he started attacking as it's happening on the screen. You're like, Yep, yeah, I get that. I'm watching it right now. <laughs> Can you believe it what's happening before your eyes? For the dead are rising. Can you see it? It's happening right there. There's, the movie literally, like, that movie proper opens with a funeral scene that he is talking through the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I don't maybe they were like, that was his caveat. It's like, I'll be in the movie, but I, I decide when I stop talking. <laughs> you got it, see? <laughs> uh, yeah, I like how we, we synced up on that one. We're we're starting to sink on the show. Uh, now yeah. <laughs> let's switch it up here. Let's because you know we've done all bottom five development hell our our awards right. So let's switch it up be positive for a second, and let's tell let's reveal our ah, secret linings our server linings. I cannot talk apparently our server linings. The one positive we took away from the film and for what was that for you? Am I allowed to have nothing? I'm just kidding. (laughs) I mean, if you absolutely have nothing, I just, I'm not prepared Uh, for that moment. (laughs) I did have to reach because I was like, what, what, what can I possibly say about this movie? And I ultimately went with, I have in the history of film and everything I've ever seen or been or heard of or anything. I've never seen a zombie attack an alien. So I went with that. I'm like, okay, that's new. Wow, that <laughs> was funny when he's like, "Okay, that's close enough. It's close enough." Yeah, I do love. He's like, "Stop it, halt!" And then he's like, "Help! Oh God, no!" <laughs> he immediately goes straight to mommy. <laughs> he loses all credibility right there. <laughs> Turn it off. <laughs> you know, if it was like a newer film, you'd be like, "Turn it off, you goddamn bitch." <laughs> It's the 50s, so they're not going to go there. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I was just like, you know what? It looks like shit, but I have never seen this before. The zombie going after an alien, and that's that's kind of neat. Apparently, this got remade a few years ago, like low, low budget. Oh, yeah, there's been some very low budget remakes. Um, I don't think there's been anything actual like big budget remake happening. No. <laughs> no. Um... Okay, well, wow. I guess that. I guess I, I mine's gonna be a little more deeper than that. Um, 
But again, I I I can't hope I can't help it, but or I don't mind admitting that like look, this film is not great. Bad dialogue. No one's acting like a human being. But I won't be lying if I did not say it and enjoy it because of that. Because this film, to me, had a very infectious and charming quality to it. And that's because, in a way, look, it's not great, but it's pretty clear Wood does have a passion for film and his work. You can tell he's putting a lot of love and care into this. Like, he is, even if it's exceeding, far exceeding his fucking ambition, um... The man's trying. He has a passion. He is doing what he can to get the film made, and it shows. And I, I can't, I can't fault him for that. Like he, he has a passion for film, for his work, and he's doing what he can to get it out there, regardless of what people think, regardless of the quality of it. And anyway, it's oddly worked for him. I mean, this film is still being, because of its quality, it's still being talked about to this day. And you know, we talked about it again. I you know I talked about it on Oscar Sunday, I believe, and our filmgasm. It's all about the legs, and in a weird way, this film has had legs. <laughs> it blows my mind because, like, you know, I've I've watched great movies that have been just lost to time because nobody cares. But then there's this that like has lasted, you know, half a decade, half a century, and people, you know, people watch. They go to midnight screenings of it. There's a documentary about it. Like people love this movie, and I just can't believe it. You know, life is not fair. And it really does piss me off sometimes. <laughs> and see, it makes me happy because this is the one time I think life is incredibly fair right now. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad you have something here. Yeah, because, you know, I'm not a cynical bastard. Um, That's kidding. If that's all you got. That's all I got. We can move on to the next the next portion of our very beefy episode of Beyond the Bat today and um go and find out what's in the box. What's in the fucking box? Uh surprisingly not a lot of positive reviews in letter in letterbox. We got a 2.2 out of 5 here. That's kind of shocking for this one at least, but all right. There were a couple people that were like, you know, fuck you. If you think this is bad, this is a masterpiece. Fight me. And I'm like, you need help. <laughs> there's there's easier ways to say that. <laughs> uh, but I have five here that I hope will make you laugh. This first one's from Zara. Well, their plan sucked. One star. <laughs> I agree. Whether or not you like this movie, you got to admit that's a shitty plan. It's a bad plan. I'm not going to take that. It's a bad plan. Makes me think, were plans one through eight even worse? <laughs> if plan nine is raise the dead, what what did they leave on the table? Pandemic. Ah, ouch. Uh, it's next one's from... Uh, not too soon. This <laughs> next one's from PT99. The 50s were a fucking mistake. One star. Jesus Christ. <laughs> look, I know. God damn. Look, I know I just made a thing about like obviously the misogyny, the racism. That was rampant. The homophobia. That was rampant in the 1950s. But there's those there are good films that still. Like there's a lot of good movies at this time. Like, god damn. This one, this specific movie, thankfully, only has misogyny. Usually you get a 
a hodgepodge, but in this one, it's just women who get the short end. Yeah, usually you get the trifecta when you're watching a 50s film, but not this one. I know. It's sad that this is like one of the better ones in terms of how it treats people. <laughs> um, this next one's from Will Sloan. Felt good to see this on 35 millimeter film at the goddamn Museum of Modern Art. And again, it's a heart. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what? Fuck yeah. It just upset me. Again, like I've seen great films that nobody knows about, but this one's being screened at the Museum of Modern Art. Yes. Good or bad, it's a film being shown on 35 millimeter at the Museum of Modern Art. I'm all about it. <sighs> this next one's from One Godfella. I just love this first sentence. I'm a huge fan of space, both outer and personal. What? <laughs> oh, I just clicked. <laughs> if Ed Wood could make movies, anybody can. Two stars. I mean, yeah, that's Ed Wood kind of proved that. Big fan of space, outer and personal. That's such a weird thing to say. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what does the personal have to do with this movie? How are you watching this movie? And this last one's from Maddie Maddie Dum Dum. Good name. Sometimes my five-year-old brings home drawings he made at school. Are they stunning technical accomplishments? No, but I still love them. I still proudly hang them on my fridge. This movie is kind of like that. Two and a half stars. Play Nine from Outer Space is the, oh, it's going right on the fridge of movies. <laughs> I'm actually mad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, those those were those were good. I like those. I like the fan. Of, I really want to know the one that put like I'm a fan of space out in per- like what? How are you watching this? Because obviously, it left a, a mark on you there, bud. <laughs> <laughs> loves outer space. Loves personal space. I watch alien movies by himself. <laughs> Have a great time. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, that's all that's in the book. We're going to close it up, and we're going to wrap this episode up. Before I tell you everything that's happening on next week, we are going to let me go ahead and do the usual social media funness. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Filmgasm Productions. If you want to show us a recommendation, feel free to email us at filmgasm at gmail.com. And if you'd like to donate and support us in that way, you can find us on Anchor. Finally, feel free to get on our site, filmgasm.com, for views, shows, articles, and all of our episodes. Next week, we'll be taking a dive for the first time on Beyond the Bad into the world of romantic comedies with failure to launch. A McConaughey one, folks, before he really became like the actor we respect now. Um, this is Naked Bongo McConaughey. This is not the McConaissance. This is long before that. If there's... I mean, look, I like romantic comedies more than romantic traumas, but I still hate both. Um, so yeah, fairly launch on on next week's episode. The first time with romantic comedies. Um, won't be the last. Trust me, not with that genre. <laughs> on filmgasm, we'll be taking a deep look into the once maligned but now celebrated sequel, A Nightmare on Elm Street, to Freddy's Revenge. Should be fun. Like I said, for those of you who don't know, that's a that's a sequel that's been kind of reappraised um in the horror world. Um, especially since the documentary Scream Queen, which I 
which I own, and I recommend anyone who wants some background information um, on it, uh, on that movie, and all that good stuff to check out. Very good documentary. Um, it's got Screen Cream, My Nightmare on Elm, My Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's what we're doing. Nightmare Two, and on Oscar Sunday, they'll be taking a look at the Kurosawa directed epic historical drama, Ran. Please tell me that's how you say it. It is Ran. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I was like, this is too good to be true. There's no way. It's actually pronounced like Harakiri. It just looks like Ran. Yeah, right. I was like, there's no goddamn <laughs> way. Until, until then, first, I want to say thank you for one year of this show now. You know, it's been great. And then and also that hey, it's a new year. And if you ever need any more motivation to pursue your trams, specifically let's say filmmaking, take a page out of Ed Wood and his work. Do whatever it takes to realize your trams and make that film you've always wanted to. Until then, see y'all next week on Beyond the Bad. <laughs>